Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness, rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Now, I have given up everything else which I knew to be the only way to really know Christ. I haven't learned all I should, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. 2019, knowing him more, knowing me. Welcome to Yakal House. And now, our senior pastor, Reverend Gilbert Osei. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. Philippians chapter 3, reading verse 10. That I may know him. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the power of his resurrection. Can you read it again? Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Philippians chapter 3, the verse number 10. That I may know him. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his suffering. And the fellowship of his suffering. Being made conformable unto Being his made death. conformable unto his death. His death. Sorry. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, for years, anytime I heard that I may know him, the next thing that came to mind was that I have to pray that I will know God. So for the past three weeks, I've been talking about the 101 of Christianity trying to help you to understand how the Bible is interpreted. Because most of the time, people take their mind into the Bible. But the Bible we hold is a voice on its own. The Bible speaks for itself. Anything I want the Bible to say, the Bible will say it. But a lot of times, preachers put their own ideas in the Bible. So instead of allowing the Bible to talk to us, we talk to the Bible. And the moment you refuse the Bible from talking, you would misinterpret the Bible and you will lead people astray. Apart from leading people astray, the blessing in the scriptures, you will not have it. I've said this before, for example, the word give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together. That verse of scripture was never talking about money. Never said, give money and it shall be given by any time anybody wants to collect money. Give offering. That's the scripture they go and quote. Why? Because they heard give. Why? So because of that, there is that mentality that has been created in Christianity that when I give, any time I give, it will be pressed down, it will be shaken together, it will run over and it will be given to me. You know the funny thing? Even when you read that scripture, he didn't say God will give to you. Let's go to that scripture. Luke chapter 6, I guess. Because so if it was God you are giving to, it is God who must give. But to actually know it is not talking about God, he didn't say God will give unto your bosom. Then preachers will say, God will cause men. Ah, I gave to God. Why is he now causing men? Instead of he himself bringing the money. Have you seen it? Luke 6. 
verse, reading from verse 37. Ugh. Judge not. He says, judge not. And ye shall not be judged. And ye shall not be judged. Condemn not. Condemn not. And ye shall not be condemned. And ye shall not be condemned. Forgive. Forgive. And ye shall be forgiven. And ye shall be forgiven. Give. Give. And it shall be given unto you. And it you. shall be given unto you. Good measure. A good measure. Press down. Press down. Shaking together. Shaking together. And running over. And running over. Shall men give into your bosom. Shall who? Men. Not God. Two. He didn't say give to God. You read 30 what? 37? And 38. Start from 30. Watch something. Jesus was teaching. Luke chapter 6 reading from verse 30. <laughs> give to every man that asketh of thee. Jesus was teaching. He said, give to every man that accept of thee. And of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And if somebody takes from your goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you. And as you will that men should do to you. Do ye also to them likewise. Do the same thing to men. Mm-hmm. Verse 31. And as ye, as ye would that men should do to you. Uh-huh. Do ye also to them likewise. Mm-hmm. For if ye love them which love you. Okay, this is where he started the argument. If you love them that love you. What thank have ye? What thank have you? For sinners also love those who he love them. He says sinners, even sinners. People who don't go to church. They love those who love them. When their valentine came, they were giving people who gave to them. And if you it, didn't give, you didn't get. Uh-huh. And if ye do good to them, which do good to you? If you do. So Jesus was teaching about the way a Christian, a child of God, does things and the way the world does things. He says, if you do good to those who do good to you, what thank have ye? What thank have you? For sinners also do he even says, the same. Because sinners also do the same. So if a Christian is greeting people who greet them, what, what thank have you? What is Christian about? reciprocating what people do to you. That's not Christian. Because unbelievers also do the same. Talk and, to me. And if ye learn to them of whom ye have hope to receive. If you learn to people you hope to receive from. What thank have ye? What thank have you? For sinners also learn he to says, sinners. He says even sinners does the same. To receive as much again. That they will receive as much again. So this is not a Christian giving. This he is talking about how even the world gives. Because if I know Mr. Andrew is a rich man. And it is birthday. And I go and buy my small handkerchief. You know when you don't know what to give to rich people. You buy them handkerchief. And you know that as I bought him handkerchief on his birthday. Since he is rich. He will buy me. How many of you have done that before? Sometimes you do good to big men because you know their good is bigger than yours. That's exactly what Jesus was teaching. Talk to me. Verse 35. Verse 35. But love ye your enemies. Then Jesus is teaching Christian standard. He says, but love this is how Christ, unbelievers do their thing. But if you want to be a child of God, love your enemies because and do sinners good. don't love their enemies. Talk to me. And do good. And do good. And lend. And lend. Hoping for nothing again. Hoping for what? Nothing again. So when a Christian is giving, the Christian does not give hoping for something because unbelievers give hoping for something. So when a Christian comes to give an offering and he's expecting presidents shaking together, running over, he's behaving like an unbeliever. 
But love ye your enemies. He says, but, but, love ye your enemies. And do good. And do good. And lend. And lend. Hoping for nothing again. Hoping for nothing. And your reward shall be great. And your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest. And ye shall be what? The children of the highest. So you will be a child of God when you give not expecting, when you don't give good, when you don't do good with a motive behind the good. So children of God love their enemies. But if you love the people who love you, he says, what good have you done? There's nothing extraordinary in talking to people who talk nicely to you. But for you to cross the line and go to somebody who disrespects you, who looks down on you and be nice to the person, then you are behaving like a child of God. Continue. For he is kind unto the unthankful He says when evil. you begin to love enemies, you are then now behaving like your father who is in heaven, who is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. And to the evil. That is God's character. That he even reigns. It has never happened that it is raining in only Christian's house and it's not raining in unbelievers' house. God reigns in everybody's house. That's why we all live in one country and sometimes even unbelievers are prospering more than Christians because the earth has been blessed by God. And the earth doesn't know whether you're a Christian or not. There's no anointing for prosperity for Christians. Stop deceiving yourself. If you have anointing to prosper and you are, you are struggling like this, then what if you didn't have anointing? Because all these Bill Gates, they don't have anointing for prosperity, yet they have money more than you. So that doctrine is not biblical. If we line up all the rich people in Ghana, in fact, if God doesn't help you, you even find more Muslims than Christians. And the sad thing is that you will find a pastor who will be using scripture to justify it. The truth of the matter is that God has blessed this world. Last Friday when we were reading, we, we had service on campus and we were reading and I was shocked to see in Genesis chapter 1 that even the first things God blessed were not human beings. The first things God blessed it's in Genesis chapter 1. He blessed animals to be fruitful and multiply. So, be fruitful and multiply was not specially for only human beings. That is why dog, you know they go to church. Yes, he give birth anyhow. Have you ever seen a dog going for prayer meeting to have children? <laughs> have you ever seen? You went, to, you went to church and you saw a monkey in the queue. Glory, glory, Lord. Monkey, you are the glory, Lord. You are the glory, Lord. The the monkey is coming to pray for the favor of God to have children. Forget that one. God God bless the earth. God has blessed the earth so much that even when human beings put the thing they call coal tar, still grass can penetrate. On the motorway, grass is penetrating through. That's how God has blessed it. Nobody's watering it. It's blessed. Look, this world we live in, some are saying Ghana is hard, others are enjoying. There is nothing secret. It is how you take your opportunities. And the opportunities is up for everybody. How many people prayed and went to school and they didn't study and they didn't pass their exam? Come and ask Pastor Gilbert. When Andrew Dems were studying, I was caboing in the Lord. They went to university and I I waited for them. (laughs) The God of miracle couldn't take me to university. 
Do you know the, the deception? I believe God had a plan. If I had gone to university, maybe what God wanted to do with my life. Oh, oh, God uses a bad experience for a purpose. Oh, male. In fact, you know the sad thing? I couldn't go to university. Yet when they went to university, I went to meet them there and I was preaching in the university. In Kenya, I can Stop deceiving. Listen, if you are in school, study, you will come out and you will know that this life is not an easy place. You can carry tongues and be suffering. Tongues does not build you in the physical. Tongues doesn't bring food on your table. Tongues, it builds you spiritually. And your reward is in heaven. But on this earth, it's bad trouble. It's as simple as, if you like, speak in tongues and go and stand in any company. Go to Echo Bank and say, I am the Lord who blessed thee. I have come. I am the one child of God. The hand of God is upon my life. I, I, I know who I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No weapon fashioned against me shall prosper. They will call security. Stop deceiving yourself. He says, for he is God who blesses even the unthankful, the ungrateful. Sinners. Read scripture. Verse 36. 36. Be ye therefore merciful. He says, be ye therefore. He is telling you the character of God. That the God we serve, he is so good that he doesn't differentiate when it comes to letting his sun shine on this earth or blessing human beings. So if you are a child of God, be ye merciful. As your father also as your is merciful. your father is also merciful. Judge not. He says, Judge not. And ye shall not be and judged. And ye shall not be judged. Condemn not. Condemn not. And ye shall not be condemned. And ye shall not be condemned. Forgive. Forgive. And ye shall be forgiven. And ye shall be forgiven. Give. Give. And it shall be given and unto you. And it shall you. be given unto you. Good measure. Good measure. Press down. Press down. And shaking together. And shaking together. And running over. And running over. Shall men give into your shall bosom. Shall men, men, men. So he's not God. So the first thing we have to establish was that Jesus was not teaching on giving. In quote, aka giving money or sowing seed. So don't pull the verse out of the contest. If you only go and pick give and it shall be given to you, press and shaking together, it will sound like he's talking about money when you pull it out of the contest. But the contest he was talking about was how God gives and how man gives. I'm going to teach you something very soon. So now, when a statement is made in the Bible, first you look at what was said before, and then you look at what is said after. Then you can understand the impulse of what was being said. No statement, no verse in the Bible stands on its own. Talk to me. For with the same measure. He says, for with the same measure. That ye met out, it shall be measured to you the again. The same measure you measure is how it will be measured to you. And he spake a parable unto them. And he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? So Jesus is teaching something that if you don't follow, you will quote him out of contest. If Jesus was talking about giving, he will mention, if he was talking about money, he will mention money. He's not shy to mention the word money. He went to the church and stood by the offering bowl and explained how people give. So in that context, he was talking about giving in church. 
You see, words are not automatic in the Bible. That the fact that you hear one word here, it means if you hear give, it means giving money all over. No, 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 no. You make a mistake. Are you following me? So we'll be doing studies for you to understand that words are not universal in the Bible. That's why people are struggling with that simple word Paul said. That work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The moment they heard salvation, they think it's the salvation of their soul. Because they think every word is universal. But words find its meaning in sentences. Words find its meaning in sentences. So Paul said, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. That is Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. The moment you hear that, the next thing that comes into your mind is to use it as a prayer point. Pray that I will know God. And I remember I heard a man of God say it. So me too, I added to my... He says that Paul, after 30 years of serving the Lord, he said he didn't know God. So it doesn't matter how long, you will never know God. Hey! One of the things I've learned for the past two years is to be careful the things I say. The moment you say God cannot be known, then we are in trouble. The moment you say we know in part, then we are in trouble. So who has the other part? Then we have to believe every revelation the Buddhists will bring. Because they also have a part of God we also don't know. Then the Islamic people also bring their part. Then we join the parts together. Then we have a fool. That's why I first said, please write it down. No word or no statement in the Bible stands on its own. No statement of the Bible stands on its own. No verse has a life on its own. So you can't bring a meaning to any teaching in one verse. Write this again. The Bible was not written in verses. Number three, for me to understand the Bible, I must read it in paragraphs. For me to understand the Bible, I must read the Bible in paragraphs. Because like you know, paragraphs will contain the same concept, subject matter. A paragraph always contains the same concept and subject matter. I must read the Bible in paragraphs. You can also write this. Paragraphs will always contain the same theme dealing with a particular point or idea. A paragraph will always contain the same theme dealing with a particular point or idea. Next point. So oftentimes when you see a statement in a verse, you must ask, how did he get here? Anytime you see a statement in a verse of scripture, you must ask yourself, how did the writer get here? So instead of assuming that Paul said that I may know him, and the power, it means Paul didn't know God, or he was praying to know God. 
So people say, ah, if Paul has been in ministry for all these years and he's still saying he doesn't know God, instead of worrying your mind to say things that is not in the Bible, you must rather ask yourself, why did he say this in that verse? Are you following? So when you look at Philippians chapter 3 verse 9, read it again. Philippians chapter 3 verse 9 is interesting. It, it even gives us a backdrop of what he meant in Philippians chapter 10. Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. And be found in him. And be found in him. Not having my own righteousness. Not having my own righteousness. Which is of the law. Which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ. That which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. The righteousness which is of God by faith. Read 10. That I may know him. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. And the fellowship of his suffering. Being made conformable unto his death. Be made conformable unto his death. So if we just read that verse of scripture in verse 10. That I may know him. And we just stop there. We confuse ourselves and confuse people who listen to us. So better still. Let's start from beginning. Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. Philippians chapter 3 reading from verse 1. Paul said finally. Finally my brethren. Hold on. The word finally doesn't mean the end. It's a word that Paul liked using. And in the Greek it means therefore. Finally. Because in chapter 3 and 4 he still used finally. So finally does not mean he's concluding. But anytime Paul uses finally... He wants to introduce a new subject. So he says, finally. My brethren. My brethren. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you. He says, to write the same things to you. To me indeed is not grievous. To me indeed is not grievous. But for you it is safe. But for you it is what? Safe. It is what? Safe. He says to write the same thing to you. To me. That means. There is nothing wrong for the teacher. Or the pastor to repeat himself. Am I speaking to somebody? Yes sir. You can write this thing down. The life of truth. Is consistency. The life of truth. Is consistency. The life of truth is consistency. A pastor must learn to repeat things and repeat them over and over again. One great man I admire so much, his name is Martin Luther. He said, I teach my church righteousness by faith and justification by faith every week. Because every week, my people forget. He says he teaches his church righteousness by faith. And justification by faith every week. Because every week they forget. Because when you tell somebody, because you are now a believer, you have eternal life. God has saved you. Because of what Jesus did, every Christian is going to heaven. Then they go and sit in a car. And then they will hear the most interesting song of our time. So so Sasrio and I subeti bobo li bobo. Obeba now 
Then the moment the song is going on, a pastor will come in. Million of all. Yes, Huba. Yes, Huba. Waba, 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 God is coming with fire. And the Bible says, judgment is starting in the house of God. If judgment is starting in the house of God, and Christians are going to face the fire first, what will the rest of the people be? And so you will see a man of God preaching. And then when the rapture comes, the, the members will go away and the pastor will be left. The question, the choristers will be left. You have been told, you have been taught with scriptures, explanation from different parts of the Bible that as long as you are a believer, in fact, you are already in heaven. The Bible says he raised us up together with Christ and we are seated in the heavenlies. How can me and the spirit of God be together and then where is that separation going to happen? That God is going to run away from you? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you know what the Bible says in Colossians? He says, even in the world to come, several places in the Bible, John 3.16, John 3.14, John 3.15, John 3.17, John 3.18, John 3.36, John 4.47, hey, John 5, every part, as for John, he wrote about eternal life more than anybody. That anybody that believes in Jesus has eternal life. And you have escaped from God, that fire that they are talking about. Read me John chapter 3 verse 36. So you will tell a believer these things and still the believer lives in fear because of what another person is saying. So repetition is part of the pastor's job. Sometimes you think the people have gotten it, they have not. So he said, to repeat myself to me it's not grievous. It is, it is important for you that I go over some things over and over again till it settles in your spirit. Talk to me. John chapter 3 verse 36. Aha. He that believeth on the Son hath... No, you start from 15. Do 15, 16, 17, 18, then you do 36. Abba. How many John, times? John chapter 3, reading verse 15. Aha. That whosoever believes that whosoever anybody that will believe should not perish should not perish but have eternal life but instead of perishing you will have eternal life for God so loved the for world for God agape in the world that He gave His only He gave His son, only begotten Son that whosoever whoever in believes him, in Him should not perish. Jesus will not perish, but have everlasting life. But have, not will try and have. You are not perishing, but you have. Talk to me. For God sent not His For Son God did not world, send His Son to the world to condemn the to world. To condemn the world. But that through the but that the world through Him might be saved. But that the saved. world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. He says anybody that believes in Jesus doesn't have a guilty verdict. But that's he, what the Amplified says. Beautiful. But he that believeth not. He that believeth not. Is condemned already. Is the one who is condemned already. Because he had not believed in Because the, the reason why somebody has guilty verdict is because they have not believed, believed in the name, in the name of the of only the begotten, begotten son. Of God. 
of God. Uh-huh. Verse 36. 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Whoever believes on Jesus has what? Everlasting life. Ah. How many times do you want to hear this? Okay, I'm repeating it. Sarkaimbi. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. You have, he's using, now he's using pastors. Because when the King James says H-A-T-H is past tense. It's hard. H-A-D. So he has moved from we have to now turn to hard. So at the end of this, at the end of his writing in that chapter, he uses a past tense for what has been done. Talk to me. And he that believeth not. So anybody who is not a believer shall not see life. Shall not see light. But the wrath of God abided on him. Abba. So have you not believed? So if the wrath of God is coming, who is it coming for? So the pastor has to always repeat these things. Because somebody will go and hear something. Somebody is arguing, quoting scriptures out of context. And then you are scared. But the scriptures are clearly explained. Clearly. This is John speaking. Let's look at Paul. First... Thessalonians chapter 5 from verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 reading from verse 1. This is Paul. Talk to me. But of the times and the seasons. He says of the times and the seasons of Bobo Bobo. Ye have no need that I write you. You don't have the need. A Christian should not worry about when Jesus is coming. For yourselves know perfectly that. Because you yourself as a believer you know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh that the day of the, the Lord night. so cometh like a thief in the night for when they shall say when they, they, they not you when they shall say peace and safety peace and safety then sudden distraction then sudden distraction them. will come upon them them As I, I, know, I know you study pronoun huh? say pronoun your friend you, I, they, them we as are you ah so if i'm writing to you okay unfortunately now i don't have a club okay i'm a sympathizer of liverpool <laughs> so if i'm writing to liverpool association and i say don't mind them my city they think they can take the premiership but we know for sure this year is our year. Are you them? Ah. Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonica. And he's telling them that they think. But we continue. For when they shall say. When they shall say. Peace I'm writing and you a letter. Peace and safety. Then sudden distraction, then sudden upon distraction them. will come upon them. Them, them, them. Not us. As travail upon a woman with child. As travail upon a woman with child. And they shall not escape. And they, they shall not escape. But ye brethren. But you, but you, but you. Christians. Anytime Paul writes and uses the word brethren, he's referring to Christians, believers. Believers are brethren. He says, but you believers. Are not in darkness. You are not in darkness. That that day should, that, overtake, that day you should overtake you like a thief. Ye are all the children you of light. You are all the 
the children of light and the children of the day and the children of the day we are not of the night we are not of the night or of darkness or of darkness therefore let us not sleep therefore let us not sleep as do others as do others so but, he was not talking the believer is already living in light so the coming of Christ can never be a problem for a believer it is the day that our body shall be transformed when corruptible will put on incorruptible that is the day your body will be transformed God Jesus had already purchased you he has just not picked you from the shop so the coming of Christ is the picking of your body from the shop so I have to always remind you not with my own ideologies this is what the Bible is saying several times and the only qualification for eternal life is believing the only qualification, tell somebody the only qualification for eternal life is believing in Jesus and nothing else. So let's go back. He says, to write the same thing to you, to me is not grievous. Philippians chapter 3, reading from verse 1. Uh-huh. Finally, my brethren, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you. To write the same thing. To keep repeating these things to you. To me indeed is not to grievous. To me indeed is not grievous. But for you it is but safe. But for you it is safe. It is important that as your pastor, I have to keep drumming some truths over and over to you. Like righteousness is not by action. Righteousness is by faith. It doesn't matter how emotional anybody will preach it. Some call it the grace message. Please, this Bible was written before any pastor was born. So it's not, Prophet Gilbert, as if I I wrote those verses in the Bible. Those verses have been there, and they have abandoned those verses, and they are preaching every day. If it's not David, it is Joseph. From Joseph, they go to, you know, pastors are preaching Bible characters, which are not the message. So if today you go to church, it is David. Oh, God will make you like a David. Though you were a shepherd from the backside of the life, you are coming to the palace. Ah! And the question is, how many palaces do we have? If we are all coming from the backside of life, was that the message of the Bible? Then from David, we move to Joseph. So last week was David. This week is Joseph. Oh, Joseph. His brother sold him. His brother sold him. My sister. They are selling you. My sister. They are selling you. My brother. They are selling you. But God, though they meant it for evil, God turned it for good. God is about to turn your bad news into a good news. Your good news into a better news. So people go to church to feel good. Remember, those days I used to preach such messages. People walked me and said, ah, Prof, when I came to church, I was down. But when you told me how God lifted Joseph, I know. It's good to feel good. But ask them if they are being lifted. You can come to church and feel good. But is church coming to feel good? Was that the focus of the church? Please, understand and understand well. When you go to the first church that was started in the Bible, in Acts of Apostles. What messages were they preaching there? It's a simple question you should ask. When they preach about David, what message about David were they preaching? Abraham. Anytime pastors are preaching about Abraham, they will only preach about Abraham and his wife Sarah who wanted a child. Was that the message God was telling us? Never. 
When Jesus was referring to Abraham, did he talk about their children? When Paul was referring to, what did he talk about? The blessedness of Abraham. Which is the message of the Bible. Justification by faith. How a man is made perfect by faith. Genesis chapter 15 verse 6. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's the message. All about Abraham is about his faith in God. And what his faith brought. But we have rather turned it into Abraham's faith made him rich. Who becomes rich by faith? You become rich by faith in your dream and in your head. Do you know how many airplanes I bought in my head? Do you know how many times I dream and see myself in a private jet? Faith does not bring money. It's as simple as ABC. That's why I keep telling people, if faith brings money, let's just come church. Let's be in this room. Pray! And let God throw money from heaven. Then we go home, chop it. We come back. Nobody should go to work. But after I finish prayer, I have to go and work. You know the interesting thing? Sorry to disappoint you. You can choose not to pray about your business and still succeed. Should I come again? Let me say it in a better way. If you like pray and not work, you'll be poor. What to eat will be a problem. And somebody can choose not to pray and work and they'll eat. Somebody is praying. Money is not coming. Somebody is working, not praying. Money is coming. Because prayer is not the one that brings money. Prayer brings what it brings. So don't confuse the two. Prayer brings money. No church should owe. In fact, no church should take offering. If prayer brings money, won't take offering. Nobody should do fundraising. Nobody should collect tithe. No church. They should just come and pray. Money, fire, bring it all. Money, pay. Then thank God for coming to church. See you next week. Heaven will bring the money. But if after all the praying, they still say, you have to give to support the kingdom, then you should know prayer does not bring. Because it means that if you don't go and work to bring money, we can't get money here. It's as simple as that. That's why sometimes we come to church, the whole place is filled. The offering is limited. Is the work rate that is showing you don't know. Sometimes you go to ah, thousands of people are guarded when they tell you the offering and you do arithmetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Sometimes 300 people are here, and when you check the offering, you begin to wonder ah, is it that spirits take some of the offering somewhere? Because if you divide it per the person, it's very interesting. So stop deceiving yourself. Talk to me. Let's go back. Philippians 3, three. verse 1. Mm-hmm. Finally, my brethren. He said, finally, my brethren. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you. To write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not to grievous. To me, indeed, is not grievous. But for you, it is safe. But for you, it is safe. Mm-hmm. Beware of dogs. He says, beware of dogs. Underline, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Concision. Okay, so the word beware of those is an idiomatic expression. The Bible has metaphors 
the Bible have idiomatic expressions. So, if you don't understand that the Bible has idioms, and you take everything literal, you will make an error. Beware of dogs. Why? Where dogs come in into their house. Do you understand? When he says beware of dogs, he was implying, you see, the Jews saw the Gentiles and sometimes called them dogs because they felt they did not respect the covenant. So the Jews used to refer to the Gentiles as dogs or non-Jews were called dogs because it was said they did not respect the covenant. Jesus used that word dogs or casting your pearls before swines. He changed that idiomatic expression. That instead of using dogs, he uses swine. And it's always, they were referring to, Jesus was referring to people who did not respect the gospel. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus referred to the woman who wanted healing for his children and came to Jesus for healing. And Jesus says, you don't give what belongs to the children to dogs. So this is Jesus swishing an idiomatic expression. That's why I said words are not universal. So you can write this thing down. This shows that words used somewhere can be used somewhere but different meaning. It shows that words used somewhere can be used in another place but with a different meaning. That's why I first said that words have their meanings in sentences. Words derive their meanings in sentences. Words derive their meanings in sentences. Even the dictionary gives you probable meanings. So meanings, so you can write, so a meaning is in the context in which the word is used. So a meaning is in the context in which a word is used. That's why Pastor Chris will always use the analogy of this is your cup of tea. That the same phrase, this is your cup of tea. If your boss asks you, where is my beverage? And you say, sir, this is your cup of tea. And you point to a beverage, you are safe. But if he says, I have to be at the airport at 10 o'clock, and he says, sir, this is your cup of tea. It means you are going to see the HR. <laughs> it's the same phrase, but sentence brings meaning. So where's find is sentence in meaning? So when you start generalizing words, you cause a lot of havoc and confusion. Let's study a word. James chapter 1 verse 2. Let's all open. James 1 verse 2. I want us all to read together. James chapter 1. We are studying something. You'll be amazed. Why it's important not to generalize words. Are we all there? James chapter 1 verse 2. Can we all read together? Ready, go. My brethren. I'm not hearing you. My brethren. Count it all joy. When ye fall into diverse temptations knowing this that the trying of your faith 
wicked patience. Okay? Let's go to James chapter 1 verse 12 and 13. The same James who? 12 and 13. Are you there? Ready? Go. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord had promised them that love him. Fantastic. Let's go to 13. You just read 12. Same word in different verse. 13. Can we all read together? Ready, go. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So, can you imagine? At one stretch, you are telling us that we should bless God for temptation. Did you see it? Can we do it over again? Let's take it again. James chapter 1. I'm telling you why words don't mean the same everywhere. James chapter 1, verse 2. Can we all go there, please? James chapter 1, verse 2. Ready, go. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall in diverse temptation. He says you should do what? Count it what? Joy. You should be happy when you fall into temptation. Okay, we have heard. Verse 12. Blessed is the man that endured temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord had promised them that love him. The same temptation. 13, verse 13. Verse 13. Ready? Go. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. Uh -uh. Did you not just tell me I should count it all joy? And now you are also warning me that when I'm tempted, I shouldn't say it is God. So what it means is that even though he's using the same word tempt or temptation, the sentence brings the interpretation or the explanation, not the word. Because the moment is the same word, one is saying you should be happy, one is saying you shouldn't blame God. Things that people do to you and the second temptation is talking about your own desire. So the one you count joy is the one that people do to you. But the one you should not blame God is the one that is bet out of your own lust. So even though it's the same word, the sentence brings the meaning. Am I making sense? It's important to understand that words find its meaning in sentences. Or you'll be confused all the time. It's the same way with the word agape. People think agape is the love of God. It is not true. Agape is simply love. Let me give you the right Greek definition of agape. Agape is not God's kind of love. Agape, one, right? Agape is not God's kind of love. 
the word agape existed even before Jesus came to the world. Agape means to esteem one above yourself or to give in sacrifice. To esteem one above yourself. To esteem one above yourself or to give in sacrifice. So there are no mysteries to words. The same agape was used in John 3.16. So for God, esteeming the word above himself, he gave. The same agape is used in Luke chapter 6 verse 32. I think we read it. And it was not talking about the love of God. First John chapter 2 talks about agape too. Have you heard love not the world? Sometimes it's very confusing. The Bible says love not the world. Not the things that are in the world. Then the same God will tell you, for God so love the world. At one stretch, you are saying, love not the world. At another stretch. So, words are not mysterious. They find its meaning in sentences. That's what it means. So that you don't generalize things. Write this thing again. I'm sure you have written it before. I want you to write it again. That the text of scripture can never mean what it never meant when it was written. A text of scripture can never mean what it never meant when it was written. A text of scripture. So what was not used for something, don't use it for it. That's why people have scriptures for marriage. Scriptures for killing witches. Scriptures for getting money. It is not biblical. You are twisting what the Bible says. It never said it. The day that scripture was written, what was Jesus teaching? Or what was Paul teaching? Keep to what he was teaching. Don't create your own meaning. Like a man said, a lizard in Ghana can never be an alligator in America. So you can't tell me, oh, because when it was written, there was no mobile phone. So now mobile phone has come, so the Bible has changed. It's nothing like that. If you say that, you are doubting the competence of God. It means God didn't foresee development. God didn't foresee advancement. If God does not live in time, and he sees the end of all things, did he not know a time will come, some men will say they are women, and some women will say they are men. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing anybody is doing that God, if God gets surprised, he's not God. So when this book was written, it was written with everything in mind. Sometimes I see some things in the Bible and I'm like, wow! So this thing is in the Bible. Every form of activity, character was addressed in the Bible. The reason you don't know it is that you have never read it. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Can you imagine the Bible is how many years old and there is a scripture in the epistles when in the church somebody was having an affair with his mother. Some things you think, oh, it's nowadays. No, there's nothing called nowadays. There's nothing that has not been addressed in the Bible. There's absolutely nothing. Write this thing down too, please. So lifting a statement out of context. Never make a mistake of lifting a statement out of context. Never make a mistake of lifting a statement out of context. 
If your interpretation of scripture is wrong, your worship of God can never be right. If your interpretation of scripture is wrong, your worship of God can never be right. That's a serious statement. How people gather in different places, carrying bottles of oil, killing people. It's because they are misinterpreting the Bible. And the moment you are doing that, your worship of God can never be right. Because you are doing what God does not prescribe. It doesn't matter how it gives you goosebumps. It doesn't matter how you have a testimony about it. Testimonies does not make things right. The fact that you did something and you had results, does it make it right? Somebody stole money and became rich. So it should be something you should go and steal your company money and be rich. The fact that you did something and you got results does not mean it is right. The fact that somebody has a big crowd does not mean he's doing God's will. Crowd is not a yastic for doing God's will. It's a deception. Because if it comes to crowd, Shatawale can gather 40,000. Which pastor in Ghana? The guy can just do, I know my level, then 40,000 people. Without anointing. Without fasting and prayer. They don't do. Sometimes you even wonder. How do you really see his billboard? The guy can just sit on social media. Say something, boom. The whole place is packed. Sometimes when I sample upon some of their shows on TV, on, on, on social media, and you see the crowd, and it is not free, oh. people are paying money, and they still can't get room inside the auditorium. And people are outside. What are they doing? They are just repeating the song they have been hearing on radio. The song that they have been hearing on radio, no. Then you see all of them. One half, one hand in the air. And they are just excited. And they have paid money to go and sing a song they can sing in their bedroom. And you say, crowd is a sign that God is with you. You are a joker. Then God is with all of them. Charlie, some of the crowd that some of these secular musicians have gathered, no church has gathered yet. Selling Dion in her days. Michael Jackson. So if crowd is the proof that you are anointed, you are in the wrong business. Go and find another one. Because charismatics, they like. Even when a charismatic pastor has 100 members, he will say he has 1,500. Every day, our crowd increases in the spirit. So crowd is not a yastic. One approver. So the fact that you took... Uh, uh, Whatever water with your bottle and you sprinkle it in your shop and that day you made a lot of sales does not mean it is God. The fact of the matter is that God doesn't do anything he has not prescribed in the Bible. So if the fact that they are mentioning God's name shouldn't confuse you. Let me say it emphatically. You see? You have to get it. If you come to Yaka house, know that physical blessings, material things, we don't count them anymore as God's blessing. Because things that an unbeliever can get easily, Christian, don't come and dance about it. Can I come again? You, you just bought a home use vinto. You are putting ribbon on it. Your pastor is carrying two bottles of oil. And you are doing Thanksgiving service. Somebody without Jesus Christ has bought Bentley, Rolls Royce. Have you ever heard 
Kwame despite is doing a Thanksgiving on a car he bought. Go and see his houses. You know you are if money is a proof of born again, then you are not even born to be again. <laughs> Stop that. Listen, you will never find in the church in the Bible testifying about marriage, childbirth. Never. Promotion in job. No, 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 no. Unbelievers get promoted without prayer. They didn't consult any prophet. Things happened. When you hear the testimony of the church, the focus were souls, healings. This is our focus. That you brought somebody to Christ. That a Muslim became a Christian. That somebody who was a weed smoker, that family had deserted, that a madman was healed. This is the testimony of the church. Not car. That the church has matured. That even when your sugar daddy buys you a car, it's God's doing. My God, it's a miracle working God. Praise the Lord. I like how Christians give their fake testimonies. Brethren, our God is a good God. God, he has a way of surprising his own. Now I know I am a beloved of the Lord. So when you are sitting there, you don't have a testimony. It means you are what? You are the rejected of the Lord. My brethren, all of you know how I used to ask for lift in this house. There are sometimes when I'm asking lift, when you even talk to our sisters in the Lord or brothers, they are as if you are disturbing them. But this God we serve, eh? I was just there. I was just there. And a man from nowhere. That means from heaven, eh? Just brought me a khaki. I did nothing. He just brought it. Pray that you see people. Hey! Even when you go home, all the message that was preached, you won't testify about that. Oh. Charlie, today we went to church, eh? A lady in my church. She was just there. She did nothing. And a man from nowhere. A certain man. <laughs> so your certain man is coming. You are the next on the line. You are meeting your certain man. We are tapping into the anointing. Obey say no, be sorry. Hey, I receive it. Because if my own is double double. Me, it will be only one car. It will be two. Very interesting. Then we are dancing for things. It has happened in this church before. Oh, seriously, we close. We did a fasting prayer. When we finished the prayer, no, the lady said, "Hey, prof, God is wonderful." I said, "Praise God." I said, "Do you know? I was just there. Somebody just came to park a car. I was excited." He said, "This fasting and prayer is working." Oh, so what she was saying, no, the Holy Spirit just whispered to me. Before you start celebrating, interrogate the testimony. So, strangely, me, pa, formally, I will just have to link it to the anointing of God on my life. The anointing of God on my life is a sharp, sharp anointing. That's when they tell you to come and fast, you come and fast. See that lady? Some of you, you walk, ah, you'll be sleeping in the house. 
you know, we use people's testimony to insult others. Uh, so I called her, sat in the car, and I realized she's got herself a sponsor, borrowing from a line of Nanahima Ebony. She got herself a sponsor. And the sponsor increased the love by the brand new car. How can you testify this in church? And sometimes you think these testimonies motivate people. It creates envy, bitterness, despise, rejection. People think God doesn't love them. And they don't know the hard work you did. So the testimonies that are now allowed in the New Testament should be how you conquered a city for the Lord. How a blind eye saw when you laid your hands. This is the testimonies that bring glory to God. Car house, marriage. The Bible says in heaven there is no marriage. So how can it be a testimony in heaven? That's what I'm telling you. Unbelievers are marrying without prayer. There's this wonderful woman I know, Jennifer Lopez. I'm so worried about 12 or 30. So if you, you have only one you are testifying, you don't have a testimony. If you are really looking for if you are talking about marriage testimony, it's Jennifer Lopez. Marriage anointing. That's power. testimony. Well, we'll be in himself over in Obeja, so still. That's a testimony. So, when we take away worthiness from the house of God, and the focus is Christ, nobody's under pressure. Nobody's under pressure. Because the moment people are giving testimonies of their marriage, I am married, I have married, I am children, then people who are not there yet. Sometimes even coming to church becomes a problem to them. And the people, everybody in church, oh, they are harassing, oh, so when are you married? I've been praying for you. When you marry, they say, when are you giving birth? Who will marry? And if not planning, we say they don't want to give birth. I thought when you even give birth to one, they will leave you. It took me five years before I got one. Then that's every time. So when is the second coming? Hey! Are you the one paying school fees for me? When I didn't have, they said it. And then we come out. <laughs> you know, sometimes we put people under unnecessary pressure. Everybody will have a reason why they do what they do. So they don't need your reminding. So, no, no, seriously. That if a woman is there, she's reached the age of marriage, and she has not intentionally decided to marry. Do you think it is Christian to go and ask them why you not married? Just think about it. That somebody is married. You know they are married. They have a husband. And they have not given birth. You think you are going to tell them you are praying for them? Will bring the child into their stomach? That's not Christian. In fact, why don't you actually mind your business in church? Why? Trust me, a lot of people are putting pressure on people 
and they have entered into marriages they regret they did. And you that push them, you are nowhere to be found. So it's not about material wealth. The focus is not, we don't care what car you brought to church. Even if you brought bicycle, we don't want to know. When we enter this church, we are all brothers and sisters. And the focus is Christ. And that's it. Whether you are married, whether you are not married, it's not our business. As long as you are alive. Because whether you like it or not, some will marry, some will never marry. Some will have children, some will never have one. Some will travel, some will never travel. And what you will never have will never disqualify you from going to heaven. So what exactly is the problem? You know, all these things that human beings worry you about, God is never going to ask you any of them. God will never ask anybody why he didn't marry. He will never ask you, why didn't you buy a brand new car and bought at home use? Why did you give birth to three and you gave birth to four? There's nothing like that. In conclusion for today, to continue next week. If Paul said that I may know you and the power of his resurrection, and he was talking about knowing God, then there's trouble. But when you listen to his conversation, from beginning, he was talking about where he was coming from. He was a Jew of Jew in verse 5. He talks about him being a Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised on the eighth day. By virtue of what he used to know as a Pharisee, a Jew, when he met the knowledge of Christ, he put all that knowledge aside that he may know God. So he counted all that he knew as dung. The Jew, they have an interesting perception of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. And then we read Philippians 3, 9, and then we close. Romans chapter 10, <coughs> reading verse 1. Brethren, brethren, my heart's desire. He says, my heart desire and prayer to God for Israel and is, prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That they will be saved. For I bear them record that. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. But their zeal has no knowledge attached to it. For they being ignorant of God's for righteousness. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. And going about to establish their own righteousness. They went about establishing their own righteousness. Have not submitted themselves. So they have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law. For Lord. Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone that believeth. For everyone that believeth. So then now you go to Philippians chapter 3. So this is who Paul is. He was an Israelite who established righteousness based on the law. So when he met Christ, he changed his conversation. Verse 9. Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. Philippians 3 9. And be found in And him, now I am found in Christ. Not having my not own having my own righteousness. Which is of the law. Which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ. But I have the righteousness which is of faith through what? Christ. Christ. 
the righteousness which is of God by faith. The righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him. That I may, the reason why now I am not found in the Israel people way of being righteous. Was that now I am found in Christ. And in Christ you are not found with your own righteousness. Which is of the law. But in Christ you are found with the righteousness which is by faith in Christ Jesus. So that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection is to be found in his righteousness. Because Romans chapter 1, 16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe it. 17 says that what? For therein is the righteousness of God what? Revealed. So the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. So when he found himself in Christ, he found himself in the righteousness of God. So knowing God, which is receiving salvation, made him not found himself in his own righteousness. Continue. That I may know him. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his suffering. And the fellowship of his suffering. Being made conformable unto his death. Now I have been made conformable unto his death. If by any means. If by any means. I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. I might attain anything of what his resurrection did. Not as though I had already attained. It was not that I had already attained anything. Either were already perfect. Or was I perfect in keeping the law? But I follow after. But I followed after. If that I may apprehend. That I may apprehend. That for which also I am apprehended for Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Brethren, Mm -hmm. I count not myself to have apprehended. I did not count myself to have apprehended. But this one but there I is do. one key thing I did. Forgetting those things which are behind. I forgot about my status as a, a Jew. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. So I reach forth for the knowledge of Christ that brings you to the righteousness that is found by faith. I press toward the mark for the prize. I press towards the mark for the prize. Of the higher calling. Of the higher calling. Of God in Christ Jesus. Of God which is in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, mm-hmm. as many as be perfect, mm-hmm. thus be minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, mm-hmm. God shall reveal even this unto you. God will let you know that I, Paul, I had to put some things aside. When you come to Christ and you want to learn, you must learn to forget what you used to know before. The only way you can be blessed in this church is to throw away the junk you used to know before. Because when you hold on to it, you can't receive the truth in God's word. That's what Paul did. He let go what he knew before. That he will know that fresh revelation of what Christ has done. Rise up on your feet. This was a message from the General Overseer of Yakal House, Reverend Gilbert Osei. We are available anytime for prayer, support, and counseling. Please don't hesitate to call us on 0544-600-600. That's 0544-600-600. We love you, and there's nothing you can do about it.